You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete Houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up there! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe, from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days how many days a week can you spend out As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs> This week on the Houndsman XP Podcast, you're going to hear a little bit different of a voice. It's me, Lauren Branny, and this is the first time that I'm going to be going rogue, riding solo, whatever you call it, um, alone, recording a podcast for the first time. Um, But I do have a guest, I promise you that. And her name is Brooke Lanning, and we connected over social media a while ago, and we've kind of been keeping up with each other since then, seeing what uh, each other's lives are about, and we found out that we were pretty similar. The way that we started hunting, um, and then also the way that we um, handle our dogs and train our dogs, and just kind of our view of um, how we should conduct ourselves. Um has been pretty similar so I thought she'd uh, be a good person to start with as far as my first interview alone so I hope you guys enjoy it a couple things I want to mention before we get going Uh, patreon if you haven't checked it out go ahead and take a look you can start at houndsmanxp.com and go from there or you can just go to patreon.com and search houndsmanxp And by joining, you are going to get exclusive deals. You're going to get access to our tailgate talks and all of the rest of the content that we're putting out there. Um, Really cool pictures, stories, photos, all of that. Um, Tailgate talks. One thing I want to mention about that, if you guys don't know what those are, all of August, they are free. So you can go to our Patreon page and check those out. They're kind of like mini podcasts. And... um, 
They, again, in August, they're free for everybody to take a look at. They're a little less um, structured and we can talk about everything from flintlocks to climbing mountains or what have you. So as little as $1 an episode, you can become a patron, get access to all of that. And monthly drawings are another thing you get access to and then deals. So we've uh, sent messages out for uh, everything at Dogs Are Tree that includes Paws Are Protected and then also Stick Bow Outdoors, exclusive deals for our patrons. Now, if you haven't checked that out, we still want to give you some love too. So, stickbowoutdoors.com, they've got the Hound Log, the Canine Records uh, Log book, and they've got some cool gear, um, t-shirts and things as well. So, go ahead and check that out and use the code HOUNDSXP at checkout to get 10% off. To all of you guys that are already patron members, Thank you, Patreon supporters. We appreciate you. You guys are awesome. You are our most loyal fans, and I hope that you get everything out of it that you are hoping. And um, you know that you are supporting a good cause. Keeping the lights on here at Houndsman XP, allowing us to keep putting content out. And then also Freedom Hunters. We are able to use those donations and help get vets out gold star family members um family and just family members in general out into the field to start that healing process it's an awesome organization if you haven't checked it out freedomhunters.org and without further ado we'll just get along with it here so hey brooke how's it going i'm doing well thank you so much for having me yeah you're welcome oh i just had to I could hear my dogs out in the kennel, and I had to tone them, and uh, that, that came through on the um, on the audio feed. So if you guys hear that during this, that's because my dogs are misbehaving outside. But that's better than them being inside, wrestling, and just causing a ruckus. So, um, yeah, so you're from Ohio. Where in Ohio? Um, so I'm from a city called Medina, Ohio. It's kind of a small rural city outside of Cleveland. Okay. Um, that's quite a ways away from me, but hopefully I can make a trip out there sometime. Um, that but, would be so cool. Yeah, I think we're, we would have so much fun. Um, and, but you, you didn't always live there, right? No. Um, so I was actually born here, um, and then my family moved to Nevada when I was about seven. And uh, I grew up out there and went to school out there. And then when I was about 18, I made the decision to go and do a uh, barrel horse apprenticeship in California. So I just kind of packed up my stuff and headed that way. And um, ever since, I've just been traveling around the country a little bit, doing different apprenticeships with different barrel horse trainers, and uh, found my way back all the way back to the same city that I was born in, Medina. That's awesome. And um, you've got a pretty, pretty interesting story as far as even before you just picked up and hit the road with your dogs and what, six horses out to California. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about kind of how you grew up and um, where, where hunting or working dogs and all of that came into the picture. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to thank my mom wholeheartedly. Um, she put me in riding lessons when I was five years old. And she, 
she said that I just never stopped asking about horses, so she finally just gave in. Um, so I was always into the outdoors and, and the horses and, and specifically, you know, rodeo, like barrel horses. And, you know, so, um, you know, herding dogs kind of go hand in hand with, with rodeo, either, you know, they're a dog truck or they're a working dog, whatever it might be. Um, so I, I set out that I wanted to have at least one um, Australian Shepherd. And that was the kind of breed that kind of caught my attention at the time. And I actually ended up with two of them, a Blue Merle and a, and a Red Merle. And, uh, you know, I took them out on the road with me. And when I moved to California, um, I was able to use them in, in a couple of rodeos, which was really cool, or just even on the different ranches that I lived on. I mean, I, I worked on a ranch that had over a thousand head of horses and uh, wow. in Corona, California. It's actually called Heart Ranch. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, I, I broke, you know, tons of horses there. And, but it's amazing when you have a dog um, that, that knows its job, that, that you can use as a tool, right? But um, watching them exercise that ability is just, it, it's really amazing. And um, it's something that that foundation that you put into those dogs, I have always really cherished. I think herding dogs are some of the most well-trained dogs uh, when it comes to working dogs, um, maybe other than like a, a working lab. But you know, that foundation, I have really pushed throughout like the rest of my dogs, all the dogs that I have. And it's just been something that's been uh, uh, really close to my heart, for sure. That's awesome. And so you started out in California, and you kind of worked your way around there with different apprenticeships. And I'm sure you met a lot of people and a lot of different dogs along the way. Um, and then, yeah. And then the dogs and the horses kind of started like the the whole sentiment of, of working, working animals and working breeds. Um, and that kind of yep. then turns itself around into, to hunting dogs, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, along that journey, I found myself in, in Colorado. Um, and, and that was kind of my last stop before I came back to Ohio. And so, um, uh, my boyfriend is actually my mother's my mother's best friend growing up, um, her son. And so him and I knew each other from way, way back in the day. Um, and we got reconnected. He so he's, he's from Ohio then? He's from Ohio. Okay. Yep. We have like baby pictures together. Oh my gosh. So, um, yeah, he, he came and, and picked me up and he is, he is the epitome of, being a full-blown hunter he lives breathes for it he's a waterfowl hunter he's a deer hunter he's a turkey hunter he and he's excellent at every single aspect of it and uh he at the time um had a an english pointer <clears throat> that was a really beautiful dog um but it was really intriguing to me um you know watching that dog work in the field and uh you know, just seeing that. And in the beginning, you know, I thought, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, actually, our first date that we went on, I watched him shoot a deer, which was like, absolutely amazing. Um, but he started taking me out hunting. And it was like, you know what, hunting's really cool. But hunting with dogs seems even cooler. And so, you know, we got another English pointer. And I was like, you know, I want to do all the training. And you know, the when English you... pointer that I got was actually a reject uh, field trial dog, 
And it was, it was more of the, like the challenge of, you know, yes, I want to learn how to do this the correct way, but I want to be able to fix this problem too. And so that was like my first real introduction um, into the hunting dog world was through upland hunting. And for the longest time, I mean, I didn't even carry a gun. I mean, it was all about the dog work for me. And, you know, obviously that has since changed, but it's just like that first dog will always be like, you know, I'm sure you have one, like your first dog that, that gets you started in that, like mm-hmm. you always cherish that dog. Oh yeah. Maggie, she was my first, my first, um, hunting dog. And I actually picked her up from the pound, um, the Humane Society. And she's the one who got me into hunting. So it's like, I didn't choose this. She chose this life for me and it was super awesome. But when you're, when you're kind of looking at it from the outside or from, from next to someone who does it, you don't realize everything that goes into owning a hunting dog, training a hunting dog, like everything that goes into, you know, whether it's a trailing hound or an upland dog and, and the little things that you have to recognize and pick up on and that dog has to pick up on and you guys have to meld together. And that's kind of what I've enjoyed as, as I have my journey through this too, is figuring all that out. And, kind of sharing that with with the people that I know who might think oh you're just you just turn them loose and it just happens and I'm like no isn't it amazing how many people say that yeah I mean yeah oh you just turn them loose and you walk in no it's it's really not that's not how it starts (laughs) right right and I mean sure I'm sure there's dogs out there that haven't done a thing and you could set them off you know a, a coon feeder and they could tree a coon you know 10 yards away or something but when you yeah when you train that dog to handle well and mind around the yard and watch that dog on the gps i mean i don't have upland hounds so i don't or upland dogs so i don't know everything that goes into that but i just love watching them on the gps and you know each time they go out they make less and less losses on a track or they're ahead of their on the race the whole time things like that it's just it's so rewarding. Um, it really is. It really, truly is. And I think, honestly, why um, hounds um, came so naturally to me is because, you know, not all upland dogs are big distance dogs, but pointers are, English oh, okay. pointers. They, if you have a dog that ranges out four or 500 yards to go on point and stand on point and wait for you to get to it, it's very similar to a dog that runs and trees a coon, say 600 to 1,000 yards away or, or whatever it might be, um, it's a very similar concept. It needs to stay put. It needs to stay there, whole game. Um, so it's really cool. I like the correlation between the two, and I just like the fact that when I run my dogs together and work them out, I'm essentially working them out for the same type of work, that long running. Um, so, yeah, I like that. Sure. So – you're in Colorado. You're with your boyfriend. He picks you up. You get this English pointer. Now you're in Ohio, right? And he's mm-hmm. he's the epitome of a hunter, but he's not a hound mm-hmm. hunter, I'm guessing. No. Okay. So <laughs> you've got these pointers. How many do you, do you just have the one at this point? No, we have two. Okay. Um, so tell us where the hounds came in, because that's a pretty yeah, interesting so- story. 
Yeah, it is. It's really interesting. Um, I would have never thought in a million years that I would be interested in hound hunting. But then again, I didn't think I would be interested in upland hunting either. Um, so very similar to you saying that you got your dog from the pound, um, being your first dog, uh, Maggie. Um, so uh, kind of going back, um, just so it makes sense, to my uh, my herding dogs. Um, my first herding dog, Dewey, he had passed away. And, you know, when you, like, he was like my first dog. And, and when you have your first dog that passes away, it's, it's something that like a piece of you um, goes away with it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I had this huge hole and I had to fill it with something. And a month later I had seen, you know, on a Facebook ad <clears throat> that there were these dogs that had been running in Finley State Park, which is this lo- lo- really large wildlife kind of sanctuary park over here in Ohio, um, probably about 30 minutes from me. And these two dogs had been running in it for about six months. And oh um, people had caught them. Yeah, people had caught them periodically, but they'd always get away again. And so people must have been what, feeding them had too, caught. right? At what some, was that? Were people feeding them? Um, like if they're out six months? You know, <laughs> yeah, I got to be honest. Uh, when I got the mail, he... he he was not eating well. I okay. think, well, I'll, I'll get, I'll get into that, but, um, <laughs> the woman that had them, um, she was like, I got to keep them on a chain. Um, I can't, I can't keep them. I know who the owner is. They don't want them. They are known runaways in the area. They've gotten out, you know, um, every so often they keep them locked up in a chicken coop. Um, they've been to the pound like six, seven times and they just won't answer the door anymore anymore, and they won't answer the phone. So So these are unwanted dogs at this point. Yeah, completely unwanted. So I told my boyfriend, I said, let's go get them. Like I I need them. He was like, are you sure? Are you serious? And I was like, yeah, I just, I, I got to have them. And it was actually on Thanksgiving and, uh, he went to go pick him up after he, he did a, a goose hunt in the morning and he went to go pick him up right afterwards. And somebody had came and got the female. And, uh, so we picked up the male, brought him home. And I said, well, where's, where's the sister? Cause the lady had said they were like, you know, they were siblings. Cause apparently she knew these people pretty well, but, uh, they were siblings. And I said, well, I have to have the female, like I have to have them together. Um, you know, that's, that's how this works. And, and so I tracked down the woman that took her, and she wouldn't give her to me. I even offered her money. She wouldn't give it to me. Well, she ended up losing her. Somebody else picked her up. Then I saw her on a Craigslist ad. Somebody was trying to sell her as a trained hunting dog for like oh $400 or something. Yeah. Um, saw her on a Facebook site. Somebody was selling. I mean, she passed around three, five different people. And then wow. all of a sudden, she was at the pound again. So we went to go pick her up. And uh, we took the mail with with us. And at that point, it had been three months. I took, I spent three months trying to track down this dog. And, uh, you know, we finally got her, got them together. And um, the relationship between them, very similar to the way that yours run around and they play and they fight. And it's, it's so cool to watch because you can just tell that they've, they're each other's, mm-hmm. like, person. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, they're meant and, to and it's, be it's, together it's, and stay together. Yeah. And to me, putting them back together like that, it was just the coolest thing ever. But I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. But they were 
I mean, I, I had worked with quite a bit of dogs at that point. Um, never any hounds, but I'd done some like discipline work for like people and stuff like that. But I have never dealt with an animal that had as much instinctual cray drive as these two dogs to the point where um, my boyfriend and I, we live on like close to like 23 acres, but then we lease the land around us. So it's up, it comes to be about 50 some acres. That's awesome. None of it's fenced. Yeah, 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 none of it's fenced besides my pasture for my horses, but I hand walk these dogs heel side for months and they tried to grab everything that came in front of them because they thought it was a meal. Mm-hmm. Um, I have tons of chickens, tons of ducks. It was like, I mean, I've just, I've just never seen anything like that. I've seen dogs want to like pull and grab stuff. This was like, uh, that's my meal. That's my food. And they were both very malnourished when I got them. Mm-hmm. Um, the male, especially he actually, I had to take him in, get lots of blood work done. Um, he was actually very, very sick. He had a failing pancreas oh my because gosh, he was so malnourished. So yeah, it was, it was pretty sad, but, um, yeah, just the biggest obstacle possible uh, was getting those dogs to understand that not everything in front of them was prey. I mean, mm-hmm. I, they were even grabbing through the pasture trying to bite my horses. I mean, I am pretty positive that these dogs probably ran down small deer. I mean, I, I would put money on it. I mean, the I've just never seen anything like it. I believe it. Um, I believe it. You're yeah, on once so, for six months and you know, these dogs already have a crazy prey drive and that just kicks it up a notch. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, yeah, I ended up, you know, I'm like, I have these dogs and I'm going to train them and I'm going to train them to do what they were meant to do. And, you know, I think my boyfriend kind of thought I was like nuts at first and he was like, okay. And then I started by, I literally restarted them like puppies. Um, I got, you know, hides and scent and would drag it around the yard and, and do all of that and got them collar conditioned. And finally, you know, we are where we are now. And it's just been the coolest experience to say, like, those dogs were complete, you know, runaways that somebody said was like trash. And, and here they are just killing it in the woods. Yeah, it's, uh... it's a huge accomplishment for me. I think uh, there are definitely some pretty sweet dogs in the woods, and uh, you know, even if they get you into some poison ivy once in a while, it seems like oh, you're. Man. It seems like you're always seeing eyes. Oh, it's so bad! I'm so incredibly allergic. Oh. I I look like the Michelin Man when I walk out there. I mean, I'm so jealous of people that I see like in the woods with their dogs and they're wearing like tank tops and pants. Oh and I'm my like, gosh. I'm wearing like six layers in the summertime <laughs> yeah. walking around. I don't understand there, how anyone can it. go out in a tank top. Like, yeah, I am wearing like <laughs> my hip boots, even if it's dry out. And if I know I'm not going to get wet, I hunt a lot of high ground, but it's like briars times a thousand. Yeah. And then I've yeah. got to wear like long sleeves and then like a, um, like a canvas shirt over or what have you. Because, like, there's nasty stuff out there where we hunt. Oh, yeah. I know. I can't even imagine. I mean, here it's just, it's poison ivy. Some areas are thick and swampy, but it's just loaded with poison ivy. And I've gotten it twice in the winter when it's supposed to be dormant. What? Like, and it snows by <laughs> you, right? 
Yeah, it smells a lot. I, I just think I'm I'm so susceptible to it. I think I just even I think breathe it, it in. I and think I it just... just creeps towards you like it knows just to like, all right, we're going to grow at a rapid rate right now towards yes. you. Yes. Or I... the coons just always go into it and think that they're safe. I yeah. have no idea. Man, and I know I've seen poison ivy before and I've gotten it once. Um, between my toes back when I was a kid and I was like with my friend biking around and then going in the woods and I was like yeah there's no poison ivy here and I'm like in like knockoff Birkenstocks running around and I get home and it's like (laughs) poison ivy everywhere um yeah so at least you can identify it that's good (laughs) and (laughs) it doesn't seem to affect the dogs because the oil can't get down in the skin or are dogs just immune you know um yeah, I think it just depends on the dog. Um, my little pointer, my youngest pointer, Tessie, when she runs through it, she'll sometimes get little bumps on her tummy. Mm-hmm. But neither of my hounds are affected by it whatsoever. They they don't really seem to care. I just have to wash them constantly because otherwise the oils turn to their coat. And Do you then have that special soap for it? I honestly, I just use Dawn dish soap okay. and then put conditioner on top of them so it doesn't dry them out because that's going to get away, you know, get all the oils off. Yeah. I know when I go camping, we do like a Wisconsin river trip with a bunch of people mm-hmm. and one person usually brings, there's like special soap for poison ivy that that's really good at getting that specific oil out. I don't, I don't even know what it's called, but someone out there can Google it for us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, cool. Tell so, me what is <laughs> so how old do you think that these hounds are? No. Um, yeah, so I actually ended up getting a hold of the owners. I found out who they were. Um, I was very angry at first when I found out who they were, and I had all these questions because they seemed like I mean, they're beautiful dogs. They seemed like they would be papered, and they were. They were. They're American English, and um, so when I got them, they were about three years old. Okay. So you know they were already you know aged up a little bit, but um, I tried to get the papers from them, and they they just wouldn't hand them over, and that's fine. You know that's, I guess that's their right. Um, you know I think it's awful that that they let their dogs go like that, especially, I mean, they yeah, had the means to take care of them. They just chose not to, oh, okay. but I mean, and then not then, my wait, place, right? Yeah. And then what's the point of keeping the papers? I, I don't know. That's what I don't get. You know, if, yeah, if someone's going to put the time and energy and these dogs are now healthy and thriving, like, you know, but yeah, you know, the papers don't really matter at this point, really. It, no. So. I, I did um I did send in um like the UKC paperwork with after I did PKC they're registered as X hounds. Mm-hmm. Um I, I would like to, you know, at some point um at least take the mail into some night hunts. Sure. I don't know if I feel like it, but I'm just <laughs> Well, I did I'm the just same so happy to I did the same thing with that? Maggie. So obviously I got Maggie from the Humane Society, so there's no papers there. She was deemed yeah. astray. Um, so I did the yeah. single registration ex-hound, um, ex-bred yeah. hound with yeah, her. And I, I, I ended up making, I made her night champion. Um, oh, see, that's awesome. Yeah, it was so fun. And like, just to do that with, with a dog that came from nothing um, was so cool. And I could have kept going with her. Um, 
but my parents' dog passed away, and they really wanted Maggie, and I had gotten Piper now at this point, and I was like, you know, it's okay. I can, I don't have to, you know, grand Maggie out or anything like that. I've got another dog that I can work on, and now I've got two more dogs I can work on. <laughs> so you yeah, know. <laughs> but that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah, it is. I mean, it. It wasn't, um, you know, I didn't do it in like huge major hunts or anything like that. Um, so I guess I, I could be more proud of myself, but I'm still proud of myself with, with what she did. And I still miss hunting behind her because she still has, besides this male I've got now, like she's, she still has the best voice out of any of them. Um, just piercing, like you can hear her a mile away. She's got to locate on the tree. I haven't heard Piper locate, but once in like my whole life. Um, so yeah, like sometimes I miss hunting with her, but she's living, living a super awesome life. My parents live on a little lake and she just runs around and fishes and hangs out all day. So I'm sure she doesn't that. good. Yeah. She's like, and you're so right. Your, your, uh, your male has a great, great mouth on him. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes to the point you're like, okay, I, I love it, but I hate it. (laughs) <laughs> yes you love it in the woods yeah but you hate it up by the house oh yeah that's how I feel about my male Remy his I mean you can hear him forever I mean he sounds like a horn like a truck horn and uh I mean in the woods I've never not been able to hear him and my female Daisy she's got more of a, a chop but it's raspy and mm-hmm. I really like that too it's real cool and I like the way that they sound together it's like a harmony yeah they've got their own little duo going um yeah yeah Piper it sounds like she smokes a pack a day um <laughs> <laughs> she's got like a just a smoky voice and but she she has like a ball on track and chop on tree but in the night hunts, it's just so hard to hear her over, you know, high-powered walker dogs or whatever else is there. Yeah. Because um, she gets – she doesn't get deep, deep and lonely. She just gets lonely. Um, and yeah. she's a very independent dog. So if you've got other dogs treated close or whatever, um, it's it's just hard. So that's why I'm excited to get this male and, and hunt him and see how that goes. His sister, Cedar, who is like my little bear dog now – Um, she's got an amazing voice, but she knows when to use it and when not to. Mm -hmm. So, um, she's learned that I take Ridge along bear hunting and he's the one that I've got to, to tone and stuff in the box to try and keep him quiet. Um, Because when you're bear hunting and like, you've got other dogs out, you don't want any of your dogs barking in the box because there's so many dogs out there that come that honor in or go to barking dogs because they think they're on a track oh, and they yeah, need yeah, to pack yeah. in. Yeah. So when you're bear hunting, you've got to keep that dog box quiet. So that's been something yeah. I've, I've been learning and training this year with, uh, with my two little ones. Well, they're not little, they're pretty big. <laughs> I haven't even <laughs> weighed them recently, but I just took a picture of the three of them and the two puppies who just turned a year old are next to Piper. I'm like, they, they look double the size. It's crazy. <laughs> so, um, okay, so uh, it's Daisy and Remy? Yes. Are the two dogs? Okay. Um, so you're going coon hunting. You're going coon hunting out in Ohio. Are you usually going alone? 
Yeah, I do. That I go is out so alone awesome. quite a bit. I would say like 90% of the time. Okay, that's exactly what I want to hear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's what we're about. Like, get after it, yes. do it on your own, figure it out yourself, and like blaze that trail, girl. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I will say there's been like, you know, some scary moments, the moments where I was like, wow, I'm not a great boy scout. But um, it's, I, it's been such a fun and empowering experience for me to go out there and do it by myself because you know you're out there in the dark and walking around the woods it's like the Blair Witch Project <laughs> it to- <laughs> yeah it totally is and I don't know about you but like yeah I've always been super outdoorsy like just like you are like you've said um but the first time that I took Maggie out alone like hunting I was absolutely terrified even though I had been out with like it's different when you're alone and I had been out like with mentors a couple times before that with their dogs and mm-hmm. just having someone next to you is like so comforting and then me and her were it out is. we were I took her I lived in I lived in the suburbs of Milwaukee at that point and I took her out to like a county park <laughs> so like not even like public woods like way out in the boonies like no we're we're gonna go hunt in a park it closes at 10 p.m., so we'll hunt from, like, 9 to 10 p.m. No, I I got scared and left in, like, 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not ashamed to say that I because, obviously, that. I have come a long way from that and, you know, can go out hunting alone and stuff. And what changed kind of my view on it um, was um, my mentor, Eric, telling me, like, there's nothing out there that isn't there during the daytime. Like, we're, yeah. we're hiking. We're doing all this stuff during the day. Literally, there's nothing different except for the velociraptors. <laughs> and um, I didn't know that turkeys roost in trees. Oh, yeah. So, um, literally thought it was like a velociraptor coming to devour me <laughs> one night. So now that I know that, um, pretty much everything else is cool, except when you hear a wolf. Um yeah, I we don't have those here, but we do have coyotes. Mm-hmm. And I will say, while I don't think coyotes are scary in any way, shape, or form, I think a pack of them can be scary to a dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that I've learned about these dogs is that given that they were, uh, you know, wild for so long, that was the one thing that always made me worrisome about having an animal because I felt like I didn't think they would ever come off track, but I felt like if they ran into them, they would not continue on. I think it would be a full on brawl. And uh, that's the only thing that scares me. Mm -hmm. And luckily I've only come into them twice while being out um like when you say and, come and into them has, do you like like within 25 yards away or you're just hearing them or well so the the one time the other thing that I do with these hounds and you know I'm sure people that listen to this are probably going to think there's either no way or there's or my dogs aren't accurate but um I actually use my female daisy to track down deer during both seasons for sure yeah so 
I always take Remy with her. Um, he'll find deer, but he always like runs off and treats a coon somewhere during the day. He's <laughs> got his own priorities. He does, but he's got his own priorities. Um, she's very dual purpose, uh, which is cool. But um, so we had found a deer for somebody and we were on a very large property and we were walking back out and I actually had them both leashed when we were walking out because we were walking out to a, a really big main like road, almost like a highway. Um, and we were walking out and the dog started just really going off. And so I said, I'm just going to let them loose and, and see what happens. And they ran up probably about 560-some yards um, up this long hillside right through a swampy area, which was disgusting. But when they came up along the ridge side, there was six coyotes. And when we were locating this man's deer, we had actually come across another deer that had probably been shot illegally um, with a crossbow, actually straight through its throat, which is oh, pretty gosh. disturbing to look at. But the entire deer was completely eaten um, from, like, the base of its neck down, like, completely eaten. It was mm-hmm. just spine, bones. And so I knew that coyotes were in the area pretty heavy for something to be eaten that, like, extensively. Um, so when I saw them, run, like, I mean, there, there was, like at least six that I saw and my dogs were like right behind them. And thankfully I have my dogs trained enough to when I tone them, they come back. But that's something that I'll never do again. And that was like a learning experience for me. Like now I know that when they make that kind of noise, it's Mm -hmm. not a, yeah, like we want to run that track. It's like, no, we want to like kill those things. Um, And, and I will say my male dog, Remy, he, he has, tons of scars all over his body especially on his hind end he's got very long what look like were deep scars along his haunches um, which are probably very deep cuts and I assume it's from either being on his back and getting attacked or getting attacked while running sure so I'm assuming they've fought off several coyotes they Um, know what they know what those coyotes are about and they know what they need to do to them they sure do. They sure do. And so, yeah, like that was a learning experience for me. And, and the other time I ran into him, um, I had just looked down on the GPS and I had saw that the dog um, had stopped moving but were not treed. And I could hear him through the woods and it just didn't sound pretty. And so I just I just walked in and, and fired a shot off. Um, I Even if not during season, I always carry a gun um you know even if it's not like a 22 or something i always carry a handgun i think it's so important you know you know back to that being secure in the woods yeah anything that's out there during the day but you never know what you're going to run into i mean if you were to run into a wolf you'd want to have something to protect yourself or your dog Mm -hmm. um so yeah i always 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 carry a gun sure yeah especially for what what your dogs are capable of when it comes to coyotes. Yes. Um, I think they're kind of a, a different breed in that aspect because of how they were running loose for so long and, and stuff like that. Yeah. 
So yeah, and and honestly, I, I have a question for you. Um, you know, being that like I, I'm so new to this, right? These are my first two hounds, but you know, talking to a lot of people, you hear you hear about dogs not being really good kill dogs, mm-hmm. right? Like it, it almost seems like maybe it's been bred out of certain dogs and it's just they're just looking for tree dogs like dogs just to get up belly up and just sit there on the tree but i've seen so many people you know whether it be dogs for sale or whatever it might be or even young dogs that won't really like instinctively want to go after the coon and and maybe i've just been you know with these dogs that the kill drive is so so imprinted in them or so natural at this point that I've never had a problem with that. But it seems like that's something that seems to have been bred out almost I think uh, in it, cer- maybe certain lines. Yeah, I think you're right on right there. Like it was certain lines. Definitely. Um, you talk about grit in a dog and there's a grittiness level that some people will, t- will tolerate and other people, people won't. And it's, you know, especially when you get into bear dogs, it's, there's there's a fine line there and it's like okay we're gonna yeah if you don't want a super goody dog because that means a lot of vet bills or a dead dog um yeah but you want a dog that will still have staying power and bang power um yeah so i think there's definitely dogs out there that have a lot of grit in them and and you see it um you know if if you shoot a coon out dead and they're on it right away or you know they catch them yeah. in a cornfield or what have you um and then there's other ones that are very methodical about what they're doing or even let's say scared of a uh, coon in a cage so yep. um i had a dog timber who was terrified absolutely terrified no matter what of a coon in a cage um couldn't get her near it but she ended up still hunting and treeing and was a fantastic tree dog. And that was fine yeah. with me. And Piper yeah. is like, she really likes coon hunting and she's really good at it. Um, but if she gets a coon on the ground, she will not go in like crazy. Maggie, Maggie was pretty crazy. Um, Piper's more of a bay up. So she, and if she does, she's very methodical um, about, about her quarry. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's all about the line. Um, I think genetics has a lot to do with it and also kind of how that dog was brought up too. the whole nature of, you know, nature and nurture thing. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I'm sure there's plenty of people who could go into, you know, lines that are grittier than others and all that stuff, but I'm not. I'm not that knowledgeable about it, but I know it's definitely a thing. Yeah, yeah, it definitely seems to be. And I, I, I wish that I knew what exactly mine were, but some of the things that I've watched, I mean, mainly my, my male dog, Remy, do. I mean, he's killed multiple coons mid-swim, <clears throat> like in the water. Mm-hmm. and Coons can I, drown I just, a dog, so that's surprising. I, I know, and he's just he's so impressive when he kills you can tell he's done it a million times he knows how to to take an animal down without getting hurt Mm -hmm. and it's amazing it's amazing (laughs) yeah I like for me I I personally 
don't necessarily like watching that and I I prefer to I mean and you can't help it if your dog gets you know on you know is quicker than the coon and the coon can't get up a tree yeah um and that's just an awesome dog I it's hard like I'm just not a gore person and I I when I do shoot a coon like I shoot to kill with one shot and I just want it to be done like as fast as possible um just to pay respect to that game um absolutely but you know a dog that's bred for that they know where to go and where to kill right away yes so that's just one thing I wanted to point out like it's not you know a bunch of dogs torturing a raccoon um no no not at all yeah, and and that kind of goes back to, you know, how poorly this this sport or this industry has been looked at. I mean, I feel like because people don't trap anymore, not as many people um, coon hunt anymore. That's why we see um, such a huge, you know, population in them. It's it's they're overabundant. They're overbreeding. Um, I don't know about you, but our season here in Ohio just isn't long enough. It's it's just not long enough. Um, what, when's your what uh, what's your time frame for your season? It starts in the beginning of November and it it ends at the end of January. Oh my gosh! Beginning of February. I mean, it's not long at all. It, it's a very short season and it's it's sad to be honest, um, especially because the weather can get pretty nasty here. Just like yeah, I'm sure it can get same. pretty nasty there. So yeah, we've got a little you know, bit longer of a season. We're like mid October to mid February. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. I wish we had that here. We we definitely have to wait it out, and it, it definitely sucks, but we put in the time that we can for sure. And, and even during the off-season, I, I run these dogs almost every day, even just on our own property. Um, even when I'm when I'm just in the barn, I look down at my GPS, and Remy's treed somewhere 600-some yards away. <laughs> so they definitely put the work in every day, but um, giving them the reward – um, for only a few short months and just, you know, doing conservation work for just a few short months. Um, you know, it just, it's sad. I think it's really sad. And you hear about, you know, all these people, you know, losing chickens or ducks or whatever it is to coons left and right. And they're trapping them all the time and trying to keep the population down. And it's just a, it's a dying, dying industry. And we need to change that. It is. So, Yeah, we're talking about like how poorly, you know, we can be viewed by other people and how there aren't, you know, enough of us and things like that. What, what do you have any ideas on what you can do or what we can do? Like, what are you doing to portray your lifestyle in a, a positive way to others? Well, um, I think, you know, you know, my boyfriend, he goes out a lot and looks for places to hunt, right? So I do the same and, and get permission places. And I just try to educate the people, you know. I think, you know, just even the misconception that um, deer won't stick around when dogs are running. That is just a plain out lie. Um, and, and Yeah, so and you guys would know that because he's such a deer hunter. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So you're probably um, hunting I mean, some I, I similar show, spots. Yeah, yeah. I, I could show you, um, you know, video footage of, of my dogs running right up next to deer. I've almost been ran over by deer. Um, 
they, they don't really care. They don't move. Um, they don't mind the dogs whatsoever. They don't see them as a immediate threat when they continuously just keep running past them. And so I think just educating as many people as possible or just helping out the farmers in this area. There's a couple of places that I've gotten permission at, you know, where I'm taking down the coon population for the farmers that are losing crops. And I think, you know, if we can at least put in a little bit of time there and as well as educating the the rest of the public, Mm -hmm. that's all we can really do at this point in time. Yeah. I mean, I think um, it's, it's all about education and, you know, if it's someone who has an idea of what coon hunting is or someone who doesn't, and then you are able to, to teach them about this lifestyle and educate them, you know, how hunting is conservation and, you know, game management and, you know, how ethical it is to hunt with hounds and things like that. You know, you're, you're educating that one person, but what if that one person then talks to a couple other people? Yep. So I think that's awesome. And, and I try and do the same thing. Like, and I'll post, you know, stuff on like my Facebook stories or whatever. And there's people, um, like my coworkers who like ask questions like, what's this? Or that's so cool. Or like, that'd be so neat to go out with you one time. Or they just ask all these questions about the hounds and what you're doing. And then, you know, you see this picture of this bear 15 feet away and they're like, wow, like you're not scared. I'm like, no. Um, I know. Uh, I have similar conversations, and and even people that I know in the Upland community, they're like, "Wow, you really make me want to get hounds." And I'm like, "Yeah, and you should. It's fun." That's so cool because I think usually they kind of like snub us, <laughs> hound hunters. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but you're in both worlds, so. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so totally. It's it's all about education and then just making sure that we're we're being and portraying what we're doing as positive because I mean it is. It's not like we've got, you know, horrible things to hide. Um it's it's a it's a tradition, it's a lifestyle, um it's a heritage and it needs to be preserved and protected um and promoted positively. And that's kind of a struggle. Yeah. It's not a struggle that we're having, but it's it's something that we definitely need to keep working on. We can't just just continue and hunt every day and then just not think about the big picture. And and I think yeah, I think a lot of people do that and they think, well, not you know, nothing's happening to me or you know, it doesn't matter. Well, you know, there's people who come after you, um, you know, your next generation and. I just, I just want to leave positive footprints for that next person. So, yeah. And, and honestly, you know, one of the other things that I think come up um, of like why people don't respect it is, you know, um, you know, maybe back or even maybe now still today, dogs run off, um, dogs get away from people, get away from handlers. And I think it's so important that we have these, these hard running trailing dogs that we have, you know, all this technology now to know where they are, right. Mm -hmm. And be able to pick them up and, or be able to train them to, to come back. Um, 
I know myself personally have been ridiculed by people in this industry for having my dogs come back, um, saying that they're not, you know, going to stay hard tree dogs if I pull them off a track. But for me personally, um, if I'm on a property and my dog is running off that property, it's it not worth it thing. for me. Yeah, it, it's not worth it for me to potentially lose my dog to somebody that doesn't appreciate them being on the property because let's be honest that still happens today Mm -hmm. towns get shot all the time normal dogs you know that get away get shot all the time um uh, i just uh it's not you know my dog is more important than that coon on the other side of that property you know and i think it's important to have a dog that that you can bring back And I don't think that it ruins their drive. I don't think that it doesn't make them hard-trained dogs. I think it makes them loyal, and uh, I will continue to do that. And I've done it before when I've seen my dogs running towards a frozen lake. You know, it's not worth it for me to my dog to run across that frozen lake, you know, unless I know that a piece of it is is decent enough, but, you know, I I think that's something else. That's a good point, and... You know, it means so much to have a handle on a dog. And I posted something recently that, you know, people are so amazed. And I'm sure people are, because, you know, our dogs are so similar, that they stick around Mm -hmm. the house. Um, If you're out, you can run them around in the yard. Um, Even if you go to a new place and you're on, like, a different piece of property and you're just hanging out, like, they're going to stay around. Um, Yep. Or you've got your little beeper on them. All you got to do is tone them. Um, yep, if they start getting a little bit further away and to have your dogs be able to recall in the woods, um, is a big thing. And sometimes with Piper it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but I, you know, it's, it's a safety thing. There's tons of roads where I hunt tons of bigger yeah. roads and, and I try and avoid that, but there's, you know, there's always a chance that something bad could happen. I, and I'd rather be able to have a handle on my dogs than something bad happening and it yep. has not stopped her from treeing or stopping a no. track or like if if I'm going to let her go on a track it's not like she's going to stop in the middle of it just because yeah. like three days ago I toned her off something yep <laughs> it doesn't like it does no. not stop these dogs at all they're still 100 no. percent and and mine live in the house too and i mean right now yep. they're outside in the kennels and they've spent nights outside there and even in the winter but you know i raise them in the house because i want i want a these dogs to respect me and us to have a bond together i want other people to respect these dogs and you know have these dogs be a like a positive role model for what I'm doing. If I have, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. If I've got crazy dogs that are running wild and are not socialized and growl at people and, you know, don't behave in the dog box and who knows what else, all of that stuff. Like, does that help anything? No, no, no. And all you've got to do is put in a little bit of time. I mean, okay, not a little Mm -hmm. bit, (laughs) (laughs) but it's not, it's not hard. It's just, like every day you do something, every day you're training your dog, whether you think about it or not. If you just spend time with them, they're going to turn out to be good dogs. You just, you know, spend yeah. time with them, train it, them, hunt them hard, and everybody's going to be happy. Yeah. 
a good a good dog is a tired dog, mm-hmm. right? Or tired dogs are good dogs. Same thing. Um, yeah. I even, yeah, I think I uh, commented on your post. It's to me the way that I look at it is like you get in um, what you put in with your dogs. Like you get out what you put in with totally. your dogs. And I don't think enough people um, really like take that to heart. And I think so many people think that, you know, a dog needs to live in a kennel for to hunt hard and, and hunt alone. And, and I just, that's just not the case. And it, maybe it is for some dogs and, and maybe that works for some people because, you know, not everything works for certain dogs and not everything works for certain yeah. people. But for me personally, I, I want them inside with me and, you know, I want them to be my buddies. Yeah. I want them to hunt because they love to hunt, but they also want to hunt for me too. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and there's nothing against, you know, people keeping outside dogs. There's plenty of no, dogs that not. are outside, you know, that, you know, that live the life of luxury. As oh well, yeah. Yeah. Know? And they're, they're treated right by their handlers and, yep. you know, they still are trained and have a handle on them. Um, I just, I, you know, and maybe some people are going to be mad at me for saying this, but I've seen a lot of people and dogs that all they do is they get fed, they get watered, and once in a while they get put in the truck and then turned out on in the woods. And that's it. You're yeah. not and then the the person gets angry at them for not leading right or not healing yeah. or not coming back or misbehaving in the dog box. Well, you that dog has never been taught anything different. So yeah. what do you expect? So yeah, that's, that's me right now <laughs> on my little <laughs> rant box. Um, but yeah, you know, if I had more dogs, I'm sure there'd have to be some that live outside because three dogs right now in my house oh, is course. quite enough. Um, yeah. and raising two puppies at once inside was a nightmare. <laughs> I can't even imagine. Yeah. I, well, I We'll soon imagine we're trying. Well, as soon as the border opens up, we're praying that the Canadian border opens up. I'll be adding a, a, a new pointer puppy, maybe two, depending. But English um, pointers? Really looking forward to that. What was that? What kind of pointers? English pointers. Just pointers. another English okay. pointer. Yeah. Cool. So you got... eventually another hound. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I wouldn't say anything, complain about that. Yeah, there's there's always room for more. Yes. So, yeah, I think this this has been good. Um, what else do we have to talk about here? Um, what have have you taken your boyfriend out on a lot of hunts, or even other like friends, family? What do they think about it? Yeah, yeah, I've taken. Um, so my boyfriend's gone with me, you know, several times. Um, but like I said, the majority of the time I go by myself. So. He works, um, him and his family own a construction company. So, you know, he's tired when he comes home uh, late at night. And, you know, so walking around the woods is not always the first thing on his mind where it is with me. <laughs> so um, I've taken several friends. I've taken friends' kids out that have just absolutely loved it. Oh, that's awesome. Even when it was, like, really cold. Yeah, one of my really good friends, her daughter went out with us, and she had a little BB gun. Like, it was just... <gasps> so cute she was all bundled up um and she just absolutely had a blast but um yeah there's been a couple of times where my boyfriend's gone with me and thankfully it's like he was always there at the perfect time because 
either, you know, it was like across like a really high river and the dogs were on the other side. And I was just like, I'm a small person. And he would have to walk over and, and shoot the coon out for him or something like that. And there was a couple of times where he almost had to strip down and get like <laughs> down to his skivvies and take his boots off to go across. But um I've only yeah, gone swimming been... in a river when it's been warm outside knock on wood <laughs> <laughs> I felt so bad and I even said like I think you know we can leave it and but he went and got it for the dogs <laughs> and, and it was great that he did it um, yeah and it was on my birthday it was actually Aww. on my birthday and I think that's probably why I did I want to go yeah on my birthday yeah um so yeah but yeah we've taken out um, a lot of people, a lot of people and their kids that have never been around it before. And they always ask to go second, third time because it's so fun. Oh, that's great. Um, so yeah, you see the people you've taken out, they want to go again. It's super cool. Mm -hmm. Um, are there like, what is like the rest of your family or coworkers or other people think (laughs) about what you're doing? I think they think I'm nuts. Um, <laughs> hmm, I wonder what that family, feels like. <laughs> I know. Uh, my my family definitely they're not um, they're not hunters at all. Um, my brother's actually a, a musician um, and a city boy by heart, but um, they they think it's really cool. I mean, I think my mom probably worries about me sometimes walking mm-hmm. around the woods. Um, and some of my coworkers, they're all, you know, engineering type people, which they're way smarter than I am. Um, but they, they definitely think it's, it's something that comes up all the time in conversation. Um, as far as like, you know, what's neat about this person. And that's something that always seems to come up with me. Uh, they're always asking me, you know, were you running your dogs this weekend or something like that? <laughs> hey, and, at least they're like interested. There's like so many of my coworkers that just can't even fathom even talking about it with me. Um, and yeah. just think I'm complete, just went completely nuts because I started doing this like mid career. So they already knew me yep. before this. And, um, it's just like, you're crazy. Like, I can't even, I can't even talk to you about it. Like, uh. <laughs> like whatever. I'm going to still, I'm going to still I keep know. doing it. Um, my family, it was, it's pretty much like the same thing you said. They're, they're non-hunters. Um, and I think they think I'm a little crazy. I think, like, especially they, like, that I do it too much. I'm out hunting too much. There's really no such mm-hmm. thing. Let's be honest. Um, no, there isn't. <laughs> and, um, on my episode, I'll talk about it again, but my mom was like, why couldn't you, you know, pick something more socially acceptable, like pheasant hunting, <laughs> which is funny because you do that. <laughs> yep. Um, I just happened to adopt a blue tick coonhound from the Humane Society, and that's just where my life took me. And I, like, I could not imagine not doing it now. Like, I don't know who I would be. Um, I'm sure I've changed a lot as a person, but the people that I've met and like the things that I've gotten to see and just the like rewarding, warm, fuzzy feeling that I get out of seeing my dogs work and then be able to work things out well and have it end like it should. Um, Whether that's, you know, I pick them up on a road because the bear crossed into a section that we don't want to get in or whatever, you know, I can still, 
know that my dogs did a good job and that's what makes me happy is is the dogs working yeah no I, I couldn't agree more I think my family um questions it a bit just because I was you know I was always the horse girl and I still am the horse girl and I'll always be the horse girl but now I use my horses for you know different um different jobs uh, I still you know uh, they're still barrel horses for sure, but now I, I use them to run my dogs. I use them to road my dogs. Um, I'll ride them, you know, through the woods with my dogs. And to me, that would be like the ultimate goal. I would, I would love to, you know, be up in Montana or Wyoming and follow hounds mm-hmm. into a lion or, or into a bear or something like On that. Horseback. I just think that would be, yeah, that would be the ultimate goal for me for sure. That, yeah, I am so on board with that. Like, that'd be so cool. And I, I'm not a horse person like you are. I love horses, not scared of horses, love riding horses, love being around horses, taking care of them, but was never really introduced to that lifestyle fully. Um, but hopefully next year I'll have that opportunity to go out on horseback and uh, follow some hounds. Uh, so... We'll look forward to that, but I won't share much else. <laughs> oh, that sounds about amazing. it. Yeah, um, but and there's so many people who coon hunt off mules. Yes, and that's see, that's another thing. I just, see, now you've got to get I, a mule. <laughs> <laughs> I would just make one of my horses do it. Yeah. They're hardy enough. <laughs> okay, all right. As long as yeah, as long as your horses are enough of a badass to do that, then yeah. They're, uh, they're all gun broke. Um, we have, uh, we shoot a lot of trap at our house. We get a group, big group of people almost every Friday that come over and we will even like turn a bunch of lights on trucks and stuff and shoot until, until the dark hours. But, um, I always ride my horses when we're doing that. And, uh, so they're out, they're all gun broke and that you can shoot near them. And I just think that's important just for overall, desensitizing and then just you know further moving towards that goal of of wanting to be able to to run off them completely and just you know it's it's the same thing you can continue to better your horse you can continue to train your horse as long as that horse is alive and you can do the same thing with your dogs and to see that growth it's just so cool and I'm pretty sure I just need to move and become your neighbor Like you say, what did you say? You cut out. Just a oh, I bit. said I'm pretty sure I need to move and become your neighbor. Yes. <laughs> like shooting trap on Fridays, coon hunting, you know, a couple nights a week, um, you know, all that yes. stuff. It's just it sounds so fun and um, yeah. I I've got to come out there. I've got to tow. I've got this little camper. It's I mean it's not big but it's not little little come on down yeah yeah definitely gonna have to make a trip I think I googled it um ah, what is it seven hours nine hours oh that's not bad yeah I'm gonna have to I'm googling it right now because um why not yeah that doesn't seem bad at all no seven hours 39 minutes but you gotta go through Chicago and that's just the worst oh (laughs) Um, but that's not bad that traffic because I've done a lot of driving um this summer um pulling my camper I mean six seven hours up to where I was bear hunting and now I'm pulling it three hours each way to where I'm bear hunting now so you know just gotta 
just got to sit down and put the pedal to the metal. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll have to come over and, and uh, bear hunt with you because, I mean, that just, that seems so, so, I mean, I mean, same concept, but much bigger prize at the end. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> and that bear is just staring at you in the face and it's yes. just so cool to see it so close, like such a neat animal. Yes. And That's... I'm not going to get a bear tag for another seven years. So oh. to me, it's not really a, it, I don't need to kill a bear. Like it is just so fun no, no, to yeah. hear my dogs and to watch my dogs on the GPS and to walk into that bear tree. And it's just so cool. I'm just kind of bummed now with how long it takes to get a tag um, in the zones that I'd want to hunt in. And I'm like, I had this goal of Piper hopefully being under a bear tree when I would get my first bear. Um, but mm-hmm. now with how long it's going to take, that probably won't, won't happen. So maybe I'll have to travel to like New Mexico or something and, um, yeah, hunt her there. yeah, definitely. But, but I mean, just to look at it positively, you're going to have a ton of wisdom and experience behind that. Whichever dog does give you that bear. Oh, you're so right. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. the, yeah, the amount of times that I have gone bear hunting, you know, between the first time I went and then the, you know, the time that I finally get that bear, you know, in a tree or whatever it is and I can harvest it, that's, it's, it's going to mean a whole lot more to, to me than, I hate to put someone else down, but like someone who, who wants to run under hounds, but they don't have their hounds there. They haven't gone out the whole season. They're just walking into that first bear tree and they got the bear. Like I've yeah. just invested so much more at that point and uh i'm mm-hmm. gonna ball my eyes out i'm i know oh, i will sure. yeah it's, yeah it's a totally emotional thing mm-hmm. um that's i feel so strongly about um like the the dogs that run lions my boyfriend he keeps telling me you know i understand that you love it i understand that like you want to do it but he's like you know dogs get killed like that and, and that's something that you do have to consider. And I'm sure you have to consider that with, with oh, bear yeah. dogs too, uh-huh. yep. um, you know, getting attacked. But I just being that, like you said, like being that close to an animal of that size and just that magnitude that it, it really could kill you. Um, it, it's just like a, a magnificent, like almost like beautiful thing. Um, and uh, the other thing is, I don't think people understand like the, again, like the conservation behind it, you know, when, when you hunt animals with, uh, with dogs, you can actually see that animal, not just for a split second before you shoot it or for a little while while you're stalking it, but you can really, you know, see is like, you know, is that a male or a female, you know, how old is, does it look? And, and you can determine if it's something that you want to harvest or not, because you can take some time to really analyze it. Yeah, and um, that's a great point. I, I think people, yeah, sometimes I think people are like, oh, you know, you're cheating. You just let the dogs run up on it. And it's like, no, if you understood all the time that went into that mm-hmm. um, for the people that put the time in those dogs like you have with your dogs, it, it's not that easy. Yeah, and they think that like every single track that you try and put down on that it's going to be that it's it's successful. Like every time you go out, you're going to tree a bear. And I'm like, no. Or even coon hunting. It doesn't always work like mm-hmm. that. You know, like we get skunked no. some nights and, 
you know, it's not fun and it happens. Um, and especially with big game like that, there's, there's so many variables and, you know, maybe you don't have a hot track to put down on. Maybe that track's eight, 12 hours old. You know, if you're talking about bear or a day or whatever old, if you're talking about lion, the, the skill that it takes for those dogs and, and the time that it has taken those dogs to build that skill and you have to be behind them all of that time. It's just Mm -hmm. amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Miles and hours. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I talked about being emotional, you know, when I get my first bear, which I'm sure I am. And, you know, I got emotional a couple weekends ago on the way home um, after a really, really, really good track that my dogs ran and put this bear up after like three or four tries. And they ran through this swamp and Cedar was ahead, you know, half of the time. And it was just, and they had bared this, bade this bear up and this bear had swatted at our dogs and they got injured and you know, it had went up the tree and then bailed and then ran more and crossed the river three times and all this stuff. And I just was reflecting on the way home about like how well my dogs did. And that's, that's what I like. Sure. I like seeing the bear yeah, at the end. That's but amazing. Yeah. And I yeah, can't wait to coon hunt. I mean, I talk, I'm talking about bear hunting so much right now, but you know, <laughs> come, come October. <laughs> coon hunting is all, all I'm going to be talking about so yeah well yeah, I'm I'm definitely pumped yeah we're definitely going to have to get a coon hunt in you know we both work from home so we're able yeah. to be a little bit flexible and stuff like that and um we hopefully we can work something out because I think it would be super exciting yes I think it'd be a ton of fun yeah Well, it's been super awesome talking to you, um, and I'm sure there's more that we could both share. We're at an hour and eight minutes now, Um, so I'll let you know how we wrap these podcasts up. And uh, let's see here. You've got uh, Remy and Daisy, and I've got Ridge here, and we're going to turn out on a track. We're out in in the woods by Medina, Ohio, and... You know, who knows what could happen with these dogs? Yours, you know, could go together, but mine, who knows where Ridge is going to go because he's he's mm-hmm. still pretty green. And uh, you follow your hounds, and I'll follow mine. <laughs> <laughs>